creativity and vulnerability, creating a sonic atmosphere and putting yourself out there as an artist. These are just some of the themes I chat with Lucinda Chua on today's Lost and Sound. doing hope you're good i hope you're well i'm paul hamford i'm a writer author and broadcaster in berlin where i'm speaking to you now from on the a kind of rainy drizzly tuesday in march 2023 i'm feeling good i i went out dancing at the weekend which is something i've just not done for absolutely ages i went out dancing properly on a boat and i danced till about I don't know, it was daylight when I got home. I did that lovely walk of shame kind of thing. I felt lousy the next day. But the next few days, I just felt super floaty afterwards. And and I've been doing yoga every week. I've been going to naked saunas, which is something that, that does exist and is is, is mainstream in, in in a way in, in Berlin. And, and I'm saying this out of the way that I feel very in contact with my body at the moment. And I know something that a lot of us creative folk um, have, and I know a lot of you listening are similar to me in that, is that, that we spend so much time hunched over our desks, over our music instruments, over our, our stuff, in our mind, thinking, going like, how am I going to make this this project I'm working on work how am I going to make the bills do their thing and all of this stuff and and I get so much in my mind and when I do yoga on a on a Friday it kind of hurts a lot because I realize it's like it's like my body is is forcing my brain to relax my brain is letting go and my body's going look you've been ignoring me you've just been I'm this kind of hunch that you walk around in you know like I'm, I'm just like shabby skin covered tank that you that you walk around in where your mind just does all this thinking all the time so but i'm feeling good because that's that seems to be balancing out at the moment anyway that's my little health update (laughs) um yes if you're new here this is lost and sound this is the show where each week I meet the musical innovators, the outsiders, the mavericks, the artists that do their own unique thing. We talk about life and the things that inspire us to make the things that we make. Because great things don't come out of a hierarchy of knowledge. They don't come out of being an edgelord, stuck up your own elitist castle. They come out of sharing. Previous guests have included Suzanne Chiani, Peaches, Jim O'Rourke, Chili Gonzalez, Ghost Poet, Cozy Funny Tootie, Nightmares on Wax and First and More. And today... You're going to hear a conversation I had with South London-based singer-songwriter, producer and composer Lucinda Chua. Now, she joined me for a conversation a few weeks back. Um, In the past, she's been better known for her collaborations with artists such as FKA Twigs, 
where she performed as part of FKA Twigs' live band and for her time in the post-rock duo Felix. But more recently, she's been striking out, making her own music. There's been two EPs, Antidotes 1 and 2, both on 4AD, and upcoming later this month, her debut album, Yan, also on the legendary 4AD label. It's a deeply introspective, yet stunningly realized piece of music sonically she does incredible things creates this really rich bewitching aural vistas with the most minimal amounts of sounds um, she has a classical music background and we go into quite a lot in the conversation uh, her route to where she is now she self-produced and engineered quite a big part of the album the majority of the album itself and it's amazing album her nts show is also incredible i'm sure some of you listen to it already if you if you haven't check it well out it's on far too irregularly i love listening to it um i loved having this conversation we go very deep and quite unexpected i was i wasn't expecting where we would go with this conversation this is me chatting with lucinda chua for lost and sound Thank you so much for chatting with me today, making some time. Um, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm good, thanks. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, it's good. It's snowing in Berlin, so it's, it's super cold. It's like your hands fall apart without gloves. It's okay. kind, of, kind of weather, but it's good. I've, I've been in a cafe listening, you know, several times this week now to Jan and just really sort of... The snow feels really nice with the snow here today. Listening Aww, to it, <laughs> that's very nice to hear. Um, it's it's uh it's surprisingly sunny mm. in South London today, but a really nice kind of like bright winter sun. That like fresh, a fresh yeah. feeling. Yeah, definitely crisp. I love a good uh, crisp, fresh sun. And um, talking of like atmospheres and stuff like that, you know, the, the, the music itself that you do is so atmospheric. And I was wanting to know if like atmospheres play a certain kind of role in, in, in you know, how ideas come together for you. Oh, that's a good question. I guess a lot of this record, which, um, which I, I engineered and produced a lot of it myself, mm. So I feel like the process of making it, a lot of it was creating maybe an atmospheric environment in the studio where I felt comfortable to explore sound. I don't think I necessarily set out with a specific atmosphere in mind, mm. but definitely I think of music very spatially. I think of the sound as like... Um, I guess it's like world building, you know, you have your like structure and then your textures and your colours and I think quite filmically when it comes to composing. Um, and I like the idea that creating a sense of space, you can guide the listener through different rooms, you know, some can be like really intimate and like cocoon like and then you can kind of turn a corner and reveal a horizon and it can feel really expansive like a horizon or even bigger kind of on a cosmic level I think I, I really enjoy guiding people on that sort of sonic journey 
and maybe because I work with quite minimal elements, the space plays a very important role as an instrument in itself. Mm. And it's interesting that you say about the kind of minimal arrangements as well, because as you mentioned, it's quite a lot of the album is self-engineered and self-produced by you. And like take a track like the beginning track, Golden. I mean, throughout the whole album, there's on one sense, it's so full, the sound and lush. And then I was listening to it and I was going, hang on a minute. There's really, there's just basically, you know, there's a voice, there's an electric piano, there's strings, and then there's harmony voices, and there's so much space mm. in there as well. And I think obviously that's got an element of atmosphere and how you control these or alchemize these, these, you know, raw ingredients into something that becomes a whole song. Mm. And and I wanted to know a little bit as well as like to have such so much little there, you know. Is that like a kind of act of braveness as well? <laughs> um, maybe. <laughs> I guess um, there's less to hide behind, so maybe it feels a bit more naked. Um, but really, I think, I think with this record, I was just trying to be really honest. You know, I think when I started out writing it, it was probably only maybe like midway through writing the songs where I had this revelation moment where I was like, I'm trying too hard to be cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be really smart. And I think it was golden. That was the turning point. Um, I played a very, very early demo that was just me singing and electric keyboard. That was it to a friend. And they just, burst into tears <laughs> oh. and, and it, it made me think it made me think that there was something quite powerful in just being myself and that being enough you know and not having to like flex too much just sitting back and owning it yeah I, th I, I think that's kind of the journey that I went went on in making the record was just stripping back the layers to try and get to some kernel of truth at the center yeah <laughs> and do you think the more you felt you could be yourself that the less you needed the protection of maybe like drums and you know because I know you've had experience in bands before you mm. know and uh, the, the the did you feel like more you could push your voice and, and a minimal arrangement the more confident you got in your own musical identity I definitely think it's like um having this passion for music that has been such a big part of my life for as long as I can remember like I I don't have a time in my living memory where I didn't play music. So it is just so intrinsically part of who I am that it is like this commitment to expressing myself through music as this language. But, but then on the flip side, I think equally the music helps to inform who I am maybe. Mm. And so it's kind of like, sometimes it it feels like I'm in in this dialogue with my musical practice and that 
we have this relationship with each other, you know, and having the music is definitely a way for me to express the things that I can't express in words maybe, but then equally it's like this cycle of very intuitive making and then I guess me as the author kind of like looking back and thinking about it like now chatting with you and 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 it kind of it's kind of like putting one foot in front of the other you know and in 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 conjuring some kind of identity um I, I definitely think it's a very like symbiotic relationship and at its best it can just flow yeah it's I love that way it's all linked together like one one thing informs the other you know and our relationship goes in like that like I mean for me I very much and this kind of relates in a way to your album is that my musical first musical epiphany happened when I was about 16 because mm. I was kind of a bullied child and mm. didn't really have any friends and then I was about 16 and uh, someone was quite kind to me and they gave me their ear, ear headphones mm. uh, a Walkman and it was the Pixies and oh, wow. um, and it just I don't know what it was it just changed it didn't just change the music wasn't even everything it was it was the fact that the person that gave it to me was dressed entirely differently from mm. how everyone I went to school with and it opened up this whole world of possibilities and but did you have a, a moment like that early on in your life where where you know something crystallized about the power of music for you oh I mean so many mm. and and I'm still I'm still having them now you know definitely like sharing earphones with friends you know listening mm. on a discman listening to cds until they were almost worn through the the early music that I was into was almost exclusively classical music like mm. I would say up until the age of about 10 most of what I listened to was <laughs> classical I was like such mm. a little dweeb <laughs> um <laughs> but then I guess there was this moment that probably happened around 15 16 where I got to a point where I was able to play the music that I liked and that felt like because before then I'd had the repertoire that I learned in lessons mm. on like piano and then later cello. But I would say there was this one piece of classical music, the Royal String Quartet in F, and me and my friend were just obsessed with it because we were playing so much like Mozart and Beethoven and early Bach and like, that music is so great, but it was the music that we inherited through learning. Mm. It wasn't the music that we chose. And then I think finding that piece of music, it was the, I remember it was the a CD of the Borodin Quartet playing the Shostakovich 8. And then it also had the Ravel String Quartet in F. Mm. And I remember listening to it on this. My, I was in this orchestra and we went to do a concert in Spain. I was probably like, maybe like 13 at the time. I remember just like listening to this piece of music obsessively on repeat with my friend on this coach going to Spain with like a bunch of other kids and loads of musical instruments. Mm. And then we, then when we were older, we got to play it, you know, when we, mm. we kind of like 
fangirled out on this song for mm-hmm. years and then it it was like okay and, and and now we have the skills to be able to play this and like feeling that emotion of being able to play something and con- conjure like a feeling that you chose mm-hmm. rather than that someone made you do um was so special and I think that was kind of that's when I started to splinter off more into doing session work in bands and I got very into like post-rock and I loved the kind of crossover between rock music and classical music or classical instruments and it it really just like opened my mind up to a whole new like realm of possibilities of music being a way to express something about yourself rather than music you as the performer in the music channeling the spirit of the composer it was like you can be part of this too and 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 your emotions and your like lived experience can bring this music to life um because it's like I guess everything you've ever felt or every emotion you've ever known, it's like, those are your tools to be able to bring the music to life. And then I think from playing in bands and especially like doing covers, the next step was then into writing music of my own, which which is something that I kind of like always improvised as a kid, like noodling about on the piano. It always been very much part of my musical practice, but like, starting to realize oh I could write a song or Mm. um it felt like just making this connection in my brain of something that had been there my whole life that I never really like valued just because Mm. it was part of my routine to it being something where I could kind of connect it with what I was feeling or what it was that I wanted to say or um, being able to connect with people, I guess. I think that was the, it's that kind of like social glue of music is the thing that makes mm. it so special and kind of similar to your friend playing you the Pixies. It's like, it was that gesture of kindness and where you were mm. at that time in your life that allowed it, allowed the music in to really penetrate deeply. Mm. And I think that's what's so magical is like, the humanness of of being able to share music and and being able to feel part of music whether you're performing it or listening to it or sharing it you know definitely I mean it's interesting reflecting on what you say there as well like about the act of kindness as well and the the, rough the human connection because I think you know you saying you grew up and spent your early years in the kind of classical framework. And I think a lot of Western classical music is taught as sort of look at these great pieces of music and look at the, this is the, the structure of how this is done and, and then to find a way in that, make it very personal for yourself and connected to your surroundings and, and the people in your life must have been such a revelation, you know, at that time in your life. Mm. I learned this, actually, this Japanese technique of classical music called Suzuki, which is very focused around, I guess it's very much around like music as a shared experience and as a community. Mm. And 
like you don't do gra- uh, grades and there's a lot of emphasis put on ensemble playing mm. and there's less emphasis on reading sheet music and more emphasis on listening and you are encouraged to perform whether it be like for the other students that your teacher teaches or whether it be like at a concert from a very very young age because I think the belief is that you should be celebrated because everyone has the potential you know to shine Mm. with a musical practice it's not just about this kind of like athletic approach to like (laughs) I don't know you you don't have the DNA (laughs) to be and it's like a very inclusive approach and so I was never fully in the like Western classical world mm. of, of doing grades. And I, I, I feel, um, sometimes I feel sad that I didn't go down that path, but I also think maybe that's why I'm still making music now because mm. rather than it, rather than it being a career pursuit, it was just another way of communicating for me. Mm. And and so it kind of became something that maybe felt quite like vital in in my way of like in interfacing with the world. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and um, and with with the album as well. You know, I I read the piece that you wrote for Galdem, mm. and love Galdem, and it you know it kind of touched me quite a lot. What you were saying about um, and and also about like the your openness or not honesty about. To, to quote, possibly paraphrase, <laughs> without meaning to, um, that you signed at the age of 34 during the pandemic to 4AD. And it was at that point that you realised that you'd been an artist all along. Um, you were just afraid to claim it. And yeah. I have an idea of what you mean, but then my idea is only based on what I relate to of that. And I was wondering if you could explain a little bit more about um, well, firstly, congratulations in in claiming it. Um, but what you uh, what this experience was for you, and what it means in terms of claiming being an artist. Mm. I think I think it, being the front person, or being the solo artist, or the primary artist, isn't something that's come naturally to me, mm. and. I've always been an ensemble player, you know, mm. whether it be like in chamber music, in an orchestra, in a band, um, in the band of other artists. I felt very comfortable in that role and it never really felt like an option for me to be the person in the centre. And I guess in the last few years I've, maybe been thinking about why. Mm. And I definitely think that as I practice and exercise being on stage and having a voice that I'm getting better at it. And, And I wonder if maybe just, yeah, maybe not having those role models at an early age which is something that I talk about in the in the Galdem article. Maybe it's more that there wasn't that blueprint for me to naturally mm. fall into. And so I think perhaps it's taken me a bit longer. Not that there's like an age or a like time limit on on being an artist, I think especially mm. now. 
And also I think in taking my time to get to this point, I feel like I've had the benefit of learning and growing, you know, mm. um, under a kind of like semi-cloak of invisibility, you know, like I've, I've been so fortunate to have so many experiences of like rapid growth and acceleration, but without the pressure of knowing that people are watching me. And, and so um, in some ways I feel really lucky for that. But, but also I think it, it does make me think about like, yeah, what it must be like, I don't know, to to grow up with role, role models who are like, who look like you or who have similar like cultural backgrounds or um, I, I've never known life any other way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you mentioned that as well in the, um, as well about um, role models and people that look like you and people that have similar backgrounds to you. And you, uh, you describe about uh, Eastern South, East Asian diaspora in the UK and the culturally as well when you were younger did you feel you sort of write somewhere else that I think it's in the Galden piece as well that you feel there's a lot more representation now and you're you're feeling quite inspired by people that you collaborate with and, and finding out about people doing similar things or their own different things but was it quite different when you were growing up then yeah I think I really I didn't have a community of friends who maybe had like grown up with the same values and the kind of like same shared culture but that also wanted to make weird music (laughs) Mm. you know and I think one thing definitely that has happened since I started releasing my own music is that I guess the payoff for making yourself visible is that you get to meet people who are like you and who can become that community. And that is, I think, I think maybe that is the best thing about being an artist, you know, is that being seen and being witnessed is really scary. Mm. And at times it can, I don't know, feel dangerous, but I feel like in, um, in accepting myself and putting myself out there, it's enabled me to connect with other like-minded people. And I don't think I would have met those people otherwise. And so I do feel really grateful that the work is allowing me to make connections with people, you know? It's interesting. It's a little bit like what you were saying in a different way about the creative process earlier on in in terms that having the confidence to sort of step forward creates the steps around you, you know, in in terms of the the songwriting and the studio. And and with this sort of putting out who you feel you authentically are, you suddenly Mm -hmm. attracts the people that also Mm -hmm. feel the same as well, you know. I I think think it's like letting go of the risk of being rejected Mm. you know it's like um I think that's why it's scary in 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 putting yourself out there because you're making yourself vulnerable and in making yourself vulnerable there's the fear that I don't know people will laugh you or people will hate you or people will 
make it so that you never ever work again or all of those things that go through mm. your head and and people will do all of those things but also the people who are like you who are looking for people mm. like it, it's such a nice way to like come together yeah it's like bringing a gift to to a meal uh, and other people have also arrived bringing gifts to meals and and and, and, <laughs> and and also like I mean obviously my experiences are very different to yours and everyone's experiences are very different mm. to each other's but I I definitely have had times in my life and it does sort of happen again like I can find myself being not as authentic as I want to be just because mm. maybe I've forgotten that week you know I've forgotten to sort of like look after myself or whatever but there have been periods of my life where I've really you know I think compared to now I have been a lot less authentically me Mm -hmm. and um, maybe quite mediocre and that has attracted me into mediocre relationships with mediocre people sometimes or people that also may be going through their own processes of not discovering their authentic self Mm -hmm. you know at that time so it is interesting isn't it but it's scary to take those first steps you know because we always kind of know innately when something's right or not don't we mm. you know maybe if we can't put a finger on it mm. I don't know where I was going with that whether that was a question <laughs> or not I think I was just like <laughs> I know what you mean though I think there can be so much noise and so much peer pressure mm. Mm. um that like um feeling of frenzy when everything everyone is doing one thing and you're like I want to be included. I want to belong, but maybe the thing is not something that sits quite right in your gut. Mm. And I think it takes work to be able to check in with yourself and be like, do I want to do this? Mm. Yeah. Because it it can feel flattering too, you know? Mm. Um, But I don't know. I I think the older I get that I'm finding it a bit easier to be like, you know what? this is a great opportunity, but this is a great opportunity for someone else. Maybe it's not for Mm. me or even using opportunities as a framework for, for dreaming up something in my own voice. You know, it's like um, something gets offered to you and perhaps it doesn't feel quite right, but then it can be the kind of like catalyst and thinking, Oh, well, what, what is it that I would want to say? And then what Mm. would an authentic way of saying it, be and how can I go about this process with like integrity in, in something that's going to make me feel um fulfilled mm. you know and I think that fulfillment runs a lot deeper than it just being like a, being validated by metrics and that's something that I'm really trying to like continue to check in with and and cultivate um because because I I think like this is the thing that I'm coming to realize is like this is my life <laughs> mm. you know um I guess like you must interview so many artists and they're talking about projects or records but at the end of the day it's like it's their life and they're committed yeah. to this life mm. and it's it's a commitment to to time and to values and to people and to culture Mm. and the actual album is just one little element of that you know the the the, the vinyl itself is is the merch (laughs) Mm, yes (laughs) when really like it it represents 
a cycle that I will have lived for three, maybe more years, you know, mm. and can continue to live as I like perform it live and connect with more people and share it with more people. And, and, and so I think I, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to center the life and find peace and acceptance in the way that I want to live my life mm. and to tr try and use the work as a framework to connect with that rather than just thinking about output, you know, because really mm. the whole creative process is so holistic. Mm. And you know, you've got such, it sounds like you've got such a, what you're saying has got such a sort of a strong roots in, in how you go about stuff. And I was wondering what kind of tools that you use or implement to keep yourself grounded or keep yourself or keep bring yourself back to the sort of philosophical base to mm. know how you you know to keep reminding yourself or inspire or give yourself strength to be able to operate like that. mm. that's a really good question and I should probably like make, make a note of these so that I can <laughs> yeah. them. Mm. um I mean I think a couple of things I think one I love the feeling of being a beginner of something, you mm. know, especially if it's something that I'm like learning or studying or, you know, where it's like you don't have to be good mm. <laughs> at it. Like um, I've been taking a lot of dance classes and it's something that definitely didn't come up. Like I was never a, uh, I, I never had that like fluency in my body movements mm. and it's something that I've really enjoyed in the last year is just mm. diving so deep into developing a movement practice and taking all of these different types of dance classes and I love the anonymity of going to class mm. <laughs> and being really bad <laughs> <laughs> and just learning you know and like drinking off all of that experience and getting to kind of like try out uh I guess it's like getting to dip into different worlds I, I really mm. enjoyed that and similarly like I um me and my friend, friend Chantel who is actually also a mover and dancer and who I worked with on the Echo music video um we like to get together and just make stuff out of clay <laughs> just like yeah. put like a movie on in the background or some tv and we just like make stuff out of clay and uh cook, cook for each other and it's just such a nice way to spend time cozy very think, cozy yeah I think just like connecting with things in a physical way I find very grounding like going for walks is is definitely the thing that helps me stay grounded it's like mm. feeling active but it not necessarily being about my mind mm. I definitely feel for me as well with uh, is the kind of in one way that knowing that work always goes on you know the creative part of the work always goes on whether I'm working or not mm. um physically or or mentally working on something so I I have to remind myself that the, the the kind of idea of physical labor with work only works so far you know in terms that 
it's sometimes it's best to turn my laptop off or put my pen down or whatever and do the washing up or like you say get into nature or or do some yoga or or do something like get drunk with a friend or you know anything that sort of stops that process and just to Mm. trust that my mind is going to carry on you know in the background I think we as a society like obsess so much about output Mm. because output is the thing that holds value but really like resting is an incredibly productive use of time Mm. because how can you output if you're empty totally yeah yeah we run out don't we you know i I mean like our sort of energies are depletable the same as like a battery's energy or a car energy or anything like that they need to be charged and and looked after and and i think the thing that i try am increasingly trying to prioritize more and more is my relationship with my work Mm. you know it's like um i always think like going to the studio or something it's like I want to leave the party on and high, you know, so that it's someone like, I don't want to have to like push through until all the lights come on mm. and like someone throwing up in the corner. And, <laughs> you know, it's like um, lis- listening to my body, you know, mm. and, and not just like, because I think this idea of like being a hero and soldiering through and we did a 12 hour session or whatever, it's mm. like, yeah but did you enjoy it and like I don't know yeah I I think um yeah having um having a positive relationship with my musical practice creative practice in general you know Mm. it's like um it's really it's really important to me and um and just allowing things to like wander and meander and Mm. not even thinking about output I think just thinking about like ways to find enjoyment I guess Mm. and then after some time the 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 output emerges Mm. I mean obviously you you can force the output through but is it it, you have have a different kind of music when I was working on yen it was quite a different work philosophy to when I made antidotes um I actually like actively tried not to go to the studio too much Mm. you know whereas before I'd be like oh I must go to the studio or like if I woke up in the middle of the night with like a song in my head I would Mm. be like I have to like write this down or I have to find a way to notate it or voice note it or capture this lyric or I was trying so hard to hold on to everything and I think with Ian I was a lot more like allowed my body to carry Mm. it um and I knew that if an idea or a concept or something persisted then when I happened to be in the studio it would come Mm. you know so rather than chasing it I I think I just surrendered a bit more and, and and had faith that things would come when they were ready Mm. and I actually really enjoyed the process of making the record which which I'm surprised at because I feel like it has taken me to some very deep places 
but I think I allowed myself time, mm. you know, to get there and to, to take it easy on myself, you know, to not go too hard on myself. Yeah. Do you feel like when you, so how long ago was it you finished the album now? Ooh. Finished it maybe like a year ago. Okay, maybe, so maybe February last, like, yeah, yeah, right. So, still, still feels really weird to talk about now, but that was still, uh, restrictions were still oh, going yeah. on, and you know, um, but do you feel does it feel like it's left your body in a way now? The album, in terms of when you listen to it, you know, um. Do you, do you are you listening to it as a work in progress still, or is it finished? Oh, I don't listen to it now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like it's mixed and mastered, so mm. it's like um, I don't I don't need to listen. So, mm-hmm. so all of the all of the joy and the beauty is made as the as the as the process, like. Because I mean, I, I I think that Scott Walker was very famous for never listening to an album once he'd finished it. You know, he'd have one listen with great speakers in the studio, then it's <laughs> it's done. And I, I I totally get that. I finished my first book last year, and yeah. I'm not. I mean, obviously books are different. You know, they take a lot more time to read. But I'm never gonna I'm never gonna sit down and read it. You know? Do you think now, in like in like ten years time, sit down and like read your? Um. Maybe in the way that you know how sometimes you get lost online, um, and maybe I'll you know be killing 10 minutes before I put the rice on or the pasta on in the evening, and I'll scroll, and then I realize I've been scrolling. Maybe I'll pick it up out of a shelf in 10 years' time, and then sort of just curiosity will get the better of me. But I, I mean, maybe then I guess that's what I'm asking you is when you reflect on the music now because I, I feel that if I look at the book in 10 years time mm-hmm. I don't think I'm I might think it's good or I might think it's bad but I don't think I'm I hope I won't be wondering why I put the full stop there or why I didn't go deeper there I hope I'll be able to sort of read it for, with a distance and do I guess you, I'm asking do you yeah, sorry do you really think you'll think it's good or bad in 10 years time um I think I'll accept it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll accept it. But I, what I mean is I don't think I'll be thinking of it as a living organism that I can change. Gotcha. You know, that it's like, why is that full stop there? I should have put it there. Yeah. I hope I would come to a peace, peace with that. Whereas now I probably would still be thinking that a little bit. Okay. You know, and would, would you, no, with your music? I'm totally at peace with the fact that mm. it won't change, but it will change because I think, I think when you release a record, it becomes part of culture, right? Mm. And Mm. it will sound different in the context of how culture changes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, um, it's like my perception of the record changed when I listened to it in the room with other people. Mm. It sounded like a different record like radically different because other people were there to receive it Mm. differently to how I receive it as the author and as the work in progress maker of it. Mm. 
And so I think whilst on like a literal level, the sonics of the album won't change, I think the meaning of it will change over time depending on how culture changes. And that is out of my hands. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like, um, in a way, it's, you know, when I released my, when I released Antidotes 2, which is the first record I released with 4AD, I had this like epiphany moment. And this is so basic, but I was like, oh, that's why they call it a release. Mm, yeah. Because you're literally like letting go mm. of this thing that has been a part of you and you're releasing it into the world. And I, I think that's when the sort of penny dropped where I was like, this isn't about me anymore, you know. Hopefully some kid's going to share an ear, earpod, airpod, <laughs> you know, as a, a gesture yeah. of kindness with my song and it will become an emotional material that is connected to their life. But in terms of how it's been my life, that chapter has already been lived, you know. Um, the, the Yeah, but the, the, uh, it's like a child that's gone off to university and you've done everything to prepare that child that you can do, you know, and... Because I, I, when I, what you were saying, is, and I, I've, I've said this before, when I did the book launch, yeah. um, I, what you're saying about release, it really, that, is my, that was the weirdest thing I didn't expect as well, mm. is to think it felt like whatever kind of like religious denomination has that sort of child into the world kind of celebration, mm. it felt like that. And I was, I was letting go of it. And mm. that was the weirdest thing. I just thought, before I thought release was just like a PR term. Exactly. <laughs> And, and I think um, if you think of the process of nurturing a book or nurturing a record, you're having to like advocate for it. Mm. You're having to explain it because it's something that exists in your mind, but people can't witness it. And so you're really like hustling on its behalf mm. for its survival. And you're having to like, yeah, really advocate and, and speak up mm. for its rights. And when you're not needed in that role anymore, it creates a lot of space. Mm. And in some ways, it's a relief because you have more space for yourself mm. and for potentially new growth, something new. And then there's also this kind of like grief of an identity of a nurturer, you know, because it's mm. like, where's my thing that I can fiddle, fiddle with, know, yeah. you know, that can give me a sense of purpose, mm. <laughs> you know, like, what do I do with my, yeah, what do I do now? So, it, yeah, it's a strange thing, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, um, yeah you, you'll never have that combination of things in that place, in that way that you built and grown up, grown used to again in the same pattern. You'll have mm. you'll have some of them and you will have maybe much better ones or ones that you, you feel like at the time they're doing something that, that takes something else forward, but never 
exactly the same combination at that time of your life in that that season you know in that living room or that mm. studio you know it's it's a unique it's a thing you have to say goodbye to in part mm. of the release as well isn't it because they're like they're like little photographs of you where you were at mm. at that point in time you know and it's like there's the you that will endure and continue living and evolving and having triumphs and making mistakes and then there's this little like window of you that won't change but culture will change and people will look back on it in the context of wherever we go in the future (laughs) Yeah, yeah definitely do you feel that you're an optimist I think so yeah do you um I think yeah I think so I think on a daily level I could not be you know I can grumble about the reality of what's going on on a particular day but um I think in terms of projection and in terms of my view of other people I I I hope I am I like I'd like to think I am I don't Mm. I don't feel any I don't feel like there's any great pride to be a cynic Mm. you know what about you um I think yeah I think I'm an optimist in that I really want for things to be good mm. and um I I think it's just um sometimes I get tired you know Oh yeah I mean sometimes you can't be we're not I don't think we're supposed to be like the our best selves all the time Yeah really and sometimes you know, I don't know, you know, it's like you need to have a nap or you need to have a week <laughs> out or something. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I'm coming across as like a very lazy artist who's like, <laughs> I never went to the studio and I just took naps all the time and I tried to be an optimist, but I got tired. Um, <laughs> I guess it's all about balance, isn't it? You know, and, and I think it's about um, sustainability. Mm. You know, I, I think, um, yeah. Do, do you think you'll do another book? I Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot at the moment. Um, I I feel, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a few ideas, but I'm letting a little bit of time kind of see which one's right, but yeah. without leaving it. But I'm already getting that slightly contra- contrasting feeling of, you know, it's like an elastic band between when I wrote the last book and sort of feeling the tension of the elastic band get tighter the longer it is, you know. You feel feel like a a pressure to return with more Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, You know, and again, that's maybe like we're talking about a little bit of the sense of the, the... you know the commercial expectation, or the or the PR, or the the industry. The, the industry. Mm. Uh, but it's also for a sense of sort of my sort of. I just love doing it so much. I loved writing the book yeah. so much, you know. And uh, I've, you know, I used to be a musician as well, and I always see like any kind of creative processes coming from the same part of me, whether whatever mm. it sort of manifests as. You know, it's like activates that little thing in you that makes you feel like you the most you you are you know and um so I'd like I'd like to start writing it soon but um yeah I I feel like you know in terms of what you were saying as well um I don't you know I I I really get what you're saying that you know about this idea of 
the, the working methods and it doesn't come across as an earthist at all to me. It just comes across as being very, very considered to all of the things that can help facilitate you create and also how connected creativity is with your external and inter- inter- mm. internal life as well. You know, with Yen, that was pretty much all the songs. Mm. It wasn't like I wrote 30 and mm. cut it down to 10. It was very, um, felt like a very concise use of energy. Yeah. Um, and and then I think it was easier for me to know when to stop. Mm. Yeah. Could, could you see that changing at some time? Could you see, could you imagine in five years time making an album where you go, okay, I did Yen like this. Mm. Now I'm going to just write the sketch of like, 50 songs and work on them all. I'm I'm super open into exploring different ways of working, you know, like um, this one felt like a very solitary process, uh, Mm. like collaborations with a few friends. But I, I guess there are different things I'd love to explore and I don't know what they are yet, Mm. (laughs) but I, I would, I would never say never, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, and and who knows? Yeah. I mean, like five years, I, I, I really can't visualise five years at the moment. <laughs> no, no, maybe it's best not to really. Maybe it's just to kind of keep open. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Lucinda, that was it. Thank you so, so much. I really love chatting Thank with you. you. That was great. <laughs> yeah, really lovely to chat with you. That was me, Paul Hanford, chatting with Lucinda Chua for Lost and Sound. And we had that conversation at the end of February 2023. The album Yan is out on March the 24th on 4AD Records. And thanks to Tom Mertens there for arranging that conversation. Thanks to ESO for doing the music, the music that you hear at the beginning, at the end of every episode of Lost and Sound. And Lost and Sound is presented and produced by me, Paul Hanford. A little reminder, my book, Coming to Berlin, Global Journeys into a Club Culture and Electronic Music Capital, is available now on Velocity Press. It was about this time last year, but but, um, I was getting the first, the first kind of finished manuscripts of it back from the publisher and I was all jumping up and down and excited how quickly a year flies. But anyway, I could waffle on for ages. I'm going to get another coffee because it's fucking cold. I hope you're having a beautiful day. I hope you managed to treat yourself to something. I just saw a mate walk past there. Um, I hope you managed to treat yourself to something really, 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 really special and I look forward to seeing you soon.